This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week podcast. This is the first Media Week podcast recorded at Foxtel on Oxford, uh, Foxtel's new inner city venue. Got an all-star cast joining us today to talk about television. Uh, A former Media Week employee, Dan Barrett, joining us again today, a current Media Week employee, <laughs> Andrew Mercado, a regular weekly columnist, regular podcast um, contributor, and returning to the Media Week podcast for the first time in a long time, David Knox. Welcome all of you. James, it's been so long, you never call. <laughs> oh, hi, James. Oh, I thought it was star employee, but sure, James. <laughs> <laughs> now, look, we're at Foxtel on Oxford um, because Foxtel's had a sort of announcement today. They called it a new Foxtel experience. We'll get to that in a minute, but first we really need to talk about the big TV news of the week, which broke yesterday. It was uh, MasterChef, and it sort of overshadowed, I think, the, the Foxtel announcement a little bit today. Um, so let, let's start off with that. Now, David Knox, did, did you have any inkling there might be something in the wind about MasterChef? No, I didn't. In fact, I was in the air when it happened. Thank God for <laughs> Wi-Fi on planes in 2019. Now, the timing of this is extraordinary. Mm. And a lot of people saying this is really unfair to Larissa, the girl who wins the show, doesn't get her time in the spotlight. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. I, I don't remember. It's kind of like putting out a press release at 5 o'clock on a Friday when, you know, you want to bury it. I, I'm not saying they wanted to bury it. I think they wanted to own... The, the I think they wanted to be seen to be taking control of the situation. There's a lot to this that has not yet come out clearly. Oh, I feel that too. I feel that the the timing of the announcement was very much. They knew they had a situation on their hands, and I think they were going, "Well, let's try and turn this last two hours of MasterChef into something special and make the announcement on the day." I mean, the whole country was talking about the show when it started airing last night. I did think there was quite an uncomfortable moment on the project, which I never normally see there. I've since read this morning it's because Matt Preston was booked to be the last guest at seven twenty p.m. and instead it was Angela Bishop and you could see that Ange was not overly comfortable in the role and I felt that she uh, for the first time ever I thought that she was watching what she was saying because it was such an interesting situation because of the network politics involved mm. that they were they were talking about a scandal within their own network. I, I found that part of it very strange but I do think that someone made a decision, hey let's go for it and turn this into a PR opportunity and try and get a positive out of it. Dan, your thoughts on that? Oh, look, I'm just surprised they didn't really try to make a more of a sort of scandal-driven like ratings push for that final night. Just announced maybe that afternoon that it's going to be the last. You've then got the AM radio stations talking about it and FM for a couple of nationwide drive shows. Like, why not actually push it out there saying it's going to be the final night with the three hosts? The um, There's been talk that it was about money, it wasn't about money. I'm pretty sure it all comes down to it must have been about money. There was some media reports that they might have been on as little as four to six hundred thousand dollars each i think it's closer to 1.5 million each is what they were on i'm led to believe that they wanted a fair bit more than that and there's also speculation around that we might be up hearing what their next move is very soon wow. some people are thinking maybe as recently as the day we're recording this huh. so that they because 
And that would so make sense. Do you think Channel 10 or the hosts? Uh, the hosts, yeah. The ho- I, I don't think Channel 10's ready to go anywhere near their new hosts yet, but they've got some great people to pick from. If you just look at the guest list on the final episode last night, there was some great talent there, and I, and I think the franchise might take a bit of a hit, but it could survive. But you've got to think, if these guys were asking for a lot more, they must have known that there would be a bad reaction if you're going to put up... So you would need a plan B... And I would imagine there could be a plan B, and we might hear about it soon. I think I suspect we will hear about it soon. I would suspect digital, online, streaming, are, are all things that could factor in. Let's not forget how big these three guys are internationally, particularly in countries like India. And we know that Netflix, you know, is is wanting to get more and more of, the, of that market. But th- those guys are rock stars in in countries like that. Um, they go and they do their own shows when they're not doing MasterChef or their own events and things over there simply because that's how popular they are. Um, Andrew might remember this. I, I'm, I'm reminded, like, it's kind of like a Top Gear move here, right, of the, mm. of the three of them walking together. But I, I'm, I'm reminded of Hollywood stars um, bargaining... You, combining together as bargaining power in television shows back in, like, the 70s and things. I, I think it might have been the Beverly Hillbillies or something where, you know, they all said, Let, let's all negotiate together and then as soon as one goes, it all, all crumbles apart mm. and you lose your power. Mm. Well, that's what the cast of Friends did, didn't there they? You go. They, Friends, they famously yes. banded together. But, you know, it's interesting you say that about their international profile because I'm unaware of that. You know, I think from an Australian perspective, I think you have to be very careful you may think that you're three really popular judges, but you've got to remember how we talk about the pub test here in Australia and we now got millions and millions of dollars being spoken about as to what they are being paid and suddenly you've got MasterChef viewers that are watching them going, hang on a second, they get paid how much? And now they won't stay with the show that made them famous. They're too big for the show that made them famous. I think they're in kind of scary territory with Australian viewers. Yes. But, David, if you say that they've got a massive international profile that will help then I'm and, well, and, within, and I, th- I think it's big in India I'm not sure maybe parts of Indonesia but I'm not sure how much you know I mean India is an important show, market but the show is is big in yeah but in they the haven't market. got the show right the show's not theirs and so oh, they, they don't have a format now correct. which is no. which is the big problem for them right if they they're shopping themselves around they need to have a format I guess right Absolutely, they need a format. You're correct. They don't own, 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 the, own the, the product. But um, to do another show in another market, and let's not also rule out other things like, you know, the the the, the digital content that our news organisations are churning out. They've all got lifestyle channels and franchises and online things, recipes, all kinds of things that these guys could be doing and product endorsement and stuff. I think I think we will be seeing them sooner rather than later. There's um, one of the speculations I've heard is that there might be something bet- um, a sort of a joint thing with Nine and Stan. That's it's one, right. of the th- one of the things being thrown up. 
another thing was, gee whiz, Seven have got this food channel that no one's watching. <laughs> these, these, these guys would make great ambassadors yeah. and you could maybe even get some guest appearances on another Seven show, which needs a bit of a bump, which is uh, My Kitchen Rules. Uh, but i ask you, Dan Barrett, but they don't have a format at the moment, but there's no shortage of food formats around the world, is there? I mean, it's, it's a very popular genre. Look, they can easily buy something and sort of post MasterChef Australia, like that MasterChef format's gone global now. So I'm sure there's probably lots of other similar formats they can latch onto, like other people who have their copycats. So I don't think format's really the issue. I'm just trying to work out what you'd actually do in terms of extending those guys across uh, digital. So I was just thinking, if it is like Channel 9 Stan, obviously they've got their publishing arm at the moment as well. So do you maybe do some small micro shows that run during the week across their newspaper verticals, their websites, and then have like a larger show on Channel 9? I don't know how you incorporate Stan into it, because these shows don't perform that well as... Because something like that would have to have like a weekly presence or a daily. So I don't really quite know how that would integrate well on Stan. But, but it would be an interesting move for Stan to make because yeah. Netflix has moved into that reality uh, cooking do, show it, area, hasn't it's, they? It's yeah. quite different though. So the cooking shows that you find on Netflix are things that have a much longer tail on it than you find with yeah. like a cooking reality show, which demands that you're watching it like the night that it happens. Because it's that water cooler conversation. travel shows are there around the world? What's to stop them not doing a reality elimination style show and just doing a, 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 a food travel experience of some sort? What a lot of people want these guys. Experience. I'm not a master chef viewer, so I don't watch this on a regular basis. But are people interested in them as personalities going out into the world cooking, or are they interested in the sort of uh, repartee that exists within a studio setting? I would say Matt Preston is big enough as a character to, yeah. to front. And something. will Matt Preston's big character eventually uh, get rid of the smear that's running against George Columbaris not paying his workers $7.8 million in missing wages? I mean, that's a story that's still percolating at the same time. This story has overtaken it. Yes. Yeah, but um, there's a lot of Aussies that aren't going to forget this in a hurry. No, but I agree. All the but, does, but does he damage... Does that damage the George Columbaris brand and... Does that, in turn, if they're all sticking together, does that damage the three of them? Probably it depends on how quickly they want to move on a new project. If they left it six months, then you could probably get away with it. But right now, most of the coverage talking about this is about how these hosts aren't being paid well enough. And that's really sour. Mm. Like, even the ABC, when they were reporting it, there was a line in it which was joking about how, the, you know, it hasn't been lost on people that George wants to be paid more money when this is all out in the... Yeah, it's not a good look. Yeah. That's the bad look. Not a good look at all. Yeah, but I think, though, this... I think people get over things, they forget. Everyone moves on. This is a furor now. There'll always be a little gag about, you know, George in the future, but I, I don't think it's necessarily going to, to damage his brand or the, the brand of all three of them. Um, can the show be as successful without them next year? Well, would we say Top Gear was the same without the three guys? I would argue no, it's oh. not. Um, and there, yet there are other shows that... that you know, the, but the, Top Gear is a different thing. Top Gear was very much a show about the host. It really, was about those yeah. three guys. Yeah, that's true. Master Chef yeah, has contested. Master Chef is about yeah. The, yeah. as much as we like the hosts, or we thought we liked the hosts. That it's a lot about the cooking, isn't it? Yeah. Look, there's, and there's certainly no shortage of alumni that Master Chef has got. I wouldn't want to see three former contestants hosting no. that show. You could throw one in there, and yeah. I, you know, and and. Poe would probably be very high on that list, I would suggest, but not the only one. Just 
Dean Schofield has also got a mm. show on 10. Um, so, you know, there are various people. We, we saw Matt, I can't think of his surname, sorry, who was, who was mentoring this season from a previous year. You know, you could throw one in there and then start to look at various other... You know, there's no shortage of, of, of also of celebrity chefs in this country. Yeah. Uh, and indeed international. Of, you know, yeah. could you get an international... Well, imagine Nigella Lawson. Oh, I mean, it'd be, it'd be sensational yeah, for them. it'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Um, it's a long commitment. And Curtis Stone, you know. Yeah. yeah, Curtis has restaurants, so that would be a difficult commitment, but I think it's at least three or four months. If They've got more. to get it right, though, haven't they? You, you know, this is, this is going to be a really tough time for 10. They have got to get this right, because if they get the combination of those three people wrong, then the show's in trouble. The, jo- the show can continue, mm. but they've got to get that trio combo right. Dan, uh, any thoughts, mate? What would you do? If you're running 10, what do you do? Again, I'm not a big viewer of it. I'd be tempted to maybe rest it for a year and then come back. Like... I don't know, like, as soon as you bring I back those... The problem is, what do you put in its but place? People, so like, yeah. Essentially, people aren't, move just, on. aren't you just damaging the brand, though, if you bring in three hosts immediately that people don't take to? They've got a year. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. A year well, just... three months. <laughs> <laughs> three months is enough time, though. I mean, the CEO said on Chat 10 News last night that they, were, they already were fielding offers. The news yeah. was barely two hours old, mm-hmm. and there he was on Ten News at five, saying we've got a we've got a pretty interesting field already. Yeah. yeah. All right, interesting. So there's more to unfold in this in the next few uh, days and weeks, no doubt. But yeah, I guess they'll have to start. I'm sure casting's underway for the next season. They'll have to start filming, um, you know, later this year. Look, let's turn our attention to Foxtel. That's why we're here today. The Foxtel experience. David Knox, you've already filed a story on this. What are the headlines about what Foxtel have unveiled today? Well, to me, it's a refresh of the of the IQ and putting the, the pay and the streaming together. Any feeling that you might have been underwhelmed by, by what they had to reveal to them? Well, I was looking to see whether there were any further announcements, you know, about, for instance, whether pricing and packaging would be changing. Um, I mean, I guess the packaging is changing in the sense that you can get a Netflix as part of your total Foxtel subscription, but also whether there might have been a, you know, an equivalent of KO in the drama area. That's been spoken about for some time. KO, this meaning the sports. Yes, yeah, to have a standalone right. drama slash entertainment. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, offering that to doesn't do, have a Foxtel branding. Doesn't have a Foxtel right. branding. So that you know, because there is still, you know, Foxtel's been battling. I think the issue of a lot of Australians, as soon as they hear the word Foxtel, go, "I'm not going to pay the kind of monies," you know, that have been. Uh, historically associated with Fox Halloween, which is why I think KO got a really fresh start when that came mm, along. Mm. Yeah. Dan, what are your thoughts on... Uh well, the metrics on running something like KO, like you really need to get a massive subscriber base in order to actually be able to monetize it. And I think they're only just really just hovering roughly about that. Like, David, I'm not sure if you've got much more insight in terms of the profitability of KO versus the rest of the products. Well, they share it, though. They share those rights with Foxtel, really. So I guess KO's probably not paying all its own sports rights. It's piggybacking on existing deals and just paying some sort of top-up, I would imagine, on on deals they've already signed. 
Oh, look, I mean, it is, but at some point you're going to find that audiences of whom are digitally savvy and digital natives are going to start moving towards these other packages. So if they're not quite doing it in a bundled environment like Foxtel have, it's just a bit harder to monetize. So like David, I was looking at the pricing that they were offering today. And so I've been trying to find the older prices because I wasn't quite expecting to do it. Uh, so I think previously they were charging $68 for their sports and entertainment pack. Now they brought it down to, was it 56? 58. 58. Yeah. So it's a $10 reduction, which, I mean, it's something. And for Fox which has always been a bit reluctant to really sort of reduce that price too much. That's some news, but even so, like 58, I'm not or sure. It was sport and drama. Is that the same as sport and entertainment? That's right. So yeah. effectively now, and I was looking at the pricing of it uh, broken down. So you don't have to get sport and entertainment together, uh, sport and drama rather. Uh, so you can get the basic package, which is still 29. If you bundle in sports, that's another 29. So that's the $58. So effectively with that, they're bundling in their drama for the same price. So that becomes a bit of an add-on for sports fans. For people who are into just general entertainment and drama like myself, you're actually not quite getting the same value because uh, you're coming in, I think, $5 cheaper and you don't get the six-month Netflix bundled in, I don't think. I didn't do maths at school, so I didn't. <laughs> but um, Andrew Mercado, is it, it, to me, it's a, they've done as much for Netflix today as they've done for Foxtel and I'm not sure if Netflix have subsidised Foxtel to, to, to give this um, to get integrated onto the Foxtel menu because um, they're probably going to pick up a few more subscribers more so than I think Foxtel will I'll tell you why it's a little bit underwhelming for me is because I moved to regional Australia and got a fetch box deliberately to try something different and I'll, I'll start, start by saying that uh, next time I move, I will go back to Foxtel. I prefer the IQ. I prefer their remote control. It's more user-friendly in the dark, etc. However, the fetch box I've got already does what's just been shown to us here today. I've got a fetch box with Netflix and Stan embedded in it and all the catch-up TV sites. And I just go move, 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 bang, and I'm there. All the free-to-air catch-up sites. The only ones that aren't there are Amazon and Foxtel Now, which I stream. So that's when I connect my TV to it. And I'm still waiting for someone somewhere in Australia to say, here's the one box that has everything. You connect this, one box, one remote control, and we'll give you every streaming service. So I'd like to think this is, this is a step in the right direction for Foxtel, that now that they've got Netflix, they'll start negotiating with Stan and Amazon and saying we'll have everything on that homepage and get the other channels involved. Because ultimately... That's what's missing from the market. Someone who has everything. Well, most of the hardware solutions generally have everything except for Foxtel. So Foxtel has been a holdout for other third-party platforms. But does the Telstra box, the, even the Telstra box, did this, does it have Netflix, Stan and Amazon? I'm pretty sure as it does well now. As Foxtel? I thought they added Amazon a little while ago. And right. I think veterans hawks with Amazon. They keep talking about it on their Facebook page. And I keep hearing sure. that if you have a Samsung TV that you could do all of this via the, the smart TV as well. You could get them now. Yeah. I mean, that's ultimately well, what smart, I'm looking for. A lot of the smart TVs allow you to have apps and things. So that right. if they've got their own apps, like an Apple TV still doesn't have everything either. But um, I... I my sense of this Foxtel IQ revamp is that because they can add SBS in, they can add various other apps from, a, you know, it's, As they it's come about along. the deals behind the scenes, yeah. but the capacity to do it is there. That's my understanding of it. 
I just don't understand the real benefit for Foxtel in the long run. So you've got Netflix on the box, and if it's someone of whom had a major purchasing decision saying, well, I can't get Netflix in my Foxtel box, therefore I'm not going to get Foxtel, I can't imagine there's a large number of people of whom that was really a deciding factor for them. So effectively, all Foxtel are doing is saying that for a significantly cheaper price, if you're not really interested in sports, it's like a gateway onto Netflix rather than the other way around. I just don't quite see where that benefit is. And when you start bundling in SBS On Demand, and just for disclosure, SBS being my former employer, um, as soon as you do that, they've got a really rich movie library and a fairly healthy TV library as well. Like, suddenly it looks like you're able to get quite a fair bit of value as well as having to pay a large amount of money for Foxtel. And you look at the next, say, six months to 12 months in the various sort of changes happening globally. In a couple of months' time, if the HBO deal isn't necessarily continuing on, like suddenly all the good content's looking from Netflix and not seeing that much coming from... on Foxtel in terms of quality premium dramas. You look at Disney when they start rolling out Disney Plus globally, suddenly they're going to have all those FX programs that are going to make their way over onto Disney Plus with their Hulu stitch up Mm. that they're going to take globally. Like, I don't know, it just doesn't seem like long-term forward thinking. Like, maybe it'll work out fine for them. I don't really know. No one can quite read the future. But just looking at everything around at the moment, like, it just seems like a weird move. I think it's more about the churn it's more about trying to prevent people going yeah away by offering it all in the one place because there was was a very specific point there that the deals they were offering today would be available to existing customers which is something that Foxtel hasn't done in the past and it was really great to hear that because some of those are the most loyal best customers that Foxtel have and they need to be part of any moving forward where you're going to get a a better deal to get more you have to look after your most loyal customers as well We've had the IQ4 for a while. I'm wondering if there will ever be an IQ5 or this will be it. I've got a feeling that this will be it and from here we'll probably just go to a a, um, sort of a, what do you call it, an app virtually. Yeah, well, this is very much an on-demand push. So it's on-demand first, linear channel second. So ultimately, if you've got everything available on-demand, you don't necessarily need to be able to record things because it's already there when you want it. You don't have to remember to record it. Mm. So ultimately, this would have to be the last generation of these. Yeah, yeah. The the they made a big deal about the refreshes to the menus and all that. To me, that's nice, but it's 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 not just a big deal. I mean, the last thing you want to do is spend a lot of time on the menus, right? And and being wowed about how good they look. Yeah, I mean, look, ultimately we all end up at that same point where we're scanning through menus forever and ever looking for something to watch and then you go, I've had enough of this, I'm going to go look over here and through you go it again. I mean, it's good, but, you know. It seems like they have standardised their menu to fit with the, 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 the trends that are out there in terms of these the, 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 the menus. Discovery is so important, right, that that being able to find well, I, stuff. I thought of the Netflix menu when I was looking at what they've done. Yeah, There's always that nice I mean. big photo at the that's top of I mean. the Netflix yeah, more, pages. And, yeah. You know, so they, they've, they've dispensed away with, you know, their current on-demand menu puts sort of things in sort of themes of here's all the Fox flicks and then the various genres through that. So, you know... To, they have simplified the menu and made it so that when you're switching between Netflix and Foxtel, you're not going to have a radical um, difference. 
I did think it was cool that some of the new rails, as they were being described, I did think it was cool that if you were looking for sport and looking at all the live sport, that there was a category saying documentaries about sport, ripping them off from the movie channels and the History Channel, whatever. I did like some of that aggregation stuff that you're, if you're into a genre, that some of those uh, categories that they were doing, I thought was super cool. Yeah, I'd say this is actually... Everything I've seen in terms of their interface, and it's very similar to what you get on Foxtel Play nowadays, I think it's good. Like, this is definitely the strength as far as I'm concerned of Foxtel, which is curated shelves of content. It's easy to find things. I don't really find I'm looking around that much to try to find something because if there's something specific I want to watch, I can search for it quite easily. But also the things that are the exciting things at the moment usually are towards that front page. So for someone like myself who's a content hunter, I don't actually find myself spending that much time on platform looking for stuff. It is generally there. So I've got issues with Foxtel's over business but in terms of the actual product that they're offering like it's good and you go through those movies I actually enjoy browsing through the movies because it reminds me that there's great movies on Foxtel where I don't have that same experience often going through Stan on Netflix yeah. like Foxtel has some very strong strengths yeah, to it point. and I don't want to undersell like the actual value of the service but price is a bit high and so I don't know I have to weigh it up as a consumer as to how much I do value like finding those great movies when I'm scrolling They've got great movies, but struck me when we were listening to Patrick Delaney today, he talked about four Australian dramas every year, and I'm thinking, well, it's not much. And he was sort of saying that was a good thing, but when you think and you hear him talking about the golden age of television and showing how much content there is all over, are they a bit underdone with just four of you? Well, you know, we look at Lambs of God, which has just uh, arrived on Foxtel, and it must have cost them a mozza of money but it was brave and it, and it was audacious and it's a masterpiece and it's going to have amazing word of mouth and people are going to talk about it And but it's interesting you know because on paper we're, this story about three nuns on an island and you're looking at it going gee picnic at Hanging Rock didn't go too well for them how are they going to go with this nun yeah, thing they, but also it, this, it, it, this it, sentence has mania as well falling off Kettering which didn't do that well for them either yeah, yeah. It, it, it's looked really bad on paper but now that they've delivered the product it's magnificent it's so outstanding, yeah. I, I, I think that they need to keep... I'm with you, James. They need to be spending money on drama and going for original dramas and looking at dramas that can go all around the world, like Lambs of God. That There'll be international like sales Wentworth. in that for sure, the same as Wentworth. And well, Lambs the, of God's already selling really well internationally. Wow, is it? Yeah. Oh, it doesn't surprise me. That, but yes, I'm the drama guy, so of course I'm going to say that. But yes, they, they, that, that always needs to be right up there. What, you know, And when I see them paying a lot of money for cricket rights and things like that, it makes me nervous. I think, oh my God, don't cut your drama budget. If they've got to cut their budgets, cut them somewhere, but don't cut drama. They have had a tendency also to do a lot of dark drama. Yeah. The last light one, I would say, was probably a place to call home. Not that it was purely light. Mm. There were certainly some, some deeper elements in that as well. But they've done a lot, as you say, with, with Picking Hanging Rock, with Kettering. With a, you know, they've been tapping into this sort of global um, trend of dark, bingeable dramas, and that makes sense. But I don't know that that's the only thing that they should be making. Um, but I, I do love uh, Lambs of God. I agree with you on that point. And a lot of them, well, several of them are short run as well. So, uh, but let's not also discount their HBO titles. They are, they are kill, killing it at the yeah. moment. Post Game of Thrones, I mean, Euphoria is just beyond what you thought it would be, isn't it's, it? It's... it's <laughs> You need a cold shower after watching Euphoria. <laughs> yeah. uh, Chernobyl as well got huge. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, 
I'm reminded that Tom Gleeson said it at the at the Logies. Everyone's talking about Chernobyl, and yet he says television is dead. But referring to different industries, mm. of course. But um, all all the amazing um, dramas at the, the moment, biggest dramas, all on the best they're dramas on, of the year. They're not on Netflix. I Absolutely, it's got Stranger Things at the moment, and we're waiting for. The Crown. What else am I missing off Netflix at the moment? Orange is the New Black is about yeah, the final yeah, season. Yeah, yeah. They the say heat, it's popular, though. But the heat's fallen off that in yeah. terms of, like, buzzing titles. I agree. So Wentworth the, is a better show than Orange yeah. is the New Black. The push towards, like, premium dramas, my theory is that they probably look at that as being subscription drivers, whereas you stick around for the sort of lower quality stuff afterwards. Mm. And, and I, I agree with you. The, the best dramas of 2019 currently are all on Foxtel. Yeah. That combination of HBO and BBC First and then their and local FX content. got a few as well. Yeah, it's just winning. Which also then brings us back to the point, does it not, of HBO Max yes. and if they will be coming here and how long... Foxtel can hang on to their exclusivity for HBO. Oh, it's a big loss if they lost HBO. If they lost HBO, massive. So, you know, no talk on that today. Let, let's, hope, <laughs> let's hope it's all, all yes. positive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, James, can we also talk about the venue that we're in at the moment, Foxtel on Oxford? Yes. Because yeah. this is something which I haven't really seen that many people doing until Netflix launched their, well, bought the, what's the name of the theatre, the Egyptian... In, in Hollywood. Yeah. In Hollywood. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, so that brought that with the idea of doing what Foxtel are doing here, which is having a actual dedicated space for all of their launches, all of their screenings. And it's a really schmick, nice-looking venue that they've actually Does put together. Netflix theatre also operates as a public cinema still, doesn't it? Showing um, stuff or not? Yeah, so like, there's still some sort of deal that I've got where I think on the weekends they'll be doing dedicated films. So and will they, they show Roma, for example, on for one exa- of their big screens? Absolutely. So it really comes to when I've got award season. So when both the Academy Awards and the Emmy season's coming up. They've got constant events there, the For Your, for your Consideration Awards, uh, like the evenings they have where you meet the stars and they do little presentations and shows. They'll be doing all that at the Egyptian, which I don't think's actually happened yet, but they had the financial deal take place recently the, for the, it. This is the old Academy Twin Cinema, right, yeah. and you look at it now and go, it's stunning. Why isn't it operating under cinema? And there was mm. some issue a few years back. There was uh, uh, an issue with the lease. Uh, whoever owned the building wanted more of a lease. The operators here said no, that could they moved their operations just up the road, they had another place there. The, these are two reasonable sized auditoriums that needed new seats and I can say thankfully they're in here, so uh, I don't know how long Foxtel have got it, but you could operate this again as a cinema tomorrow well, if there was a market for it. You could even use it as a bit of a promo push, something like Lambs of God, which is such an incredible looking TV did, show. Yeah, Why not have a weekend? Where you where they, did, they had, a, cute, they had a, a screening and, a, and I think a no, but he means yeah, but running like, sessions yeah. he on, means weekends. on the weekend oh. for like average punters to come yeah. along and just and check and it sell out. tickets. You just Wouldn't do it for a weekend. Well, well, why not do it for Lambs of God? Why not do on a Saturday and Sunday with an interval in the middle, to four hours less without, you know, you could do screenings of that for people who aren't with Foxtel and they no, no, come no. see that. And no, no, you don't want to do that, but you want to be able to say, hey, look, we've got this really cool drama and then eventually get people through the door. So you do like some That's one or two off. Yeah, you're no, but you're sort of like access. ongoing sort of things. Oh, come on, boys, stop arguing. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great venue, Foxtel on Oxford. It's, uh, it's where we are now. Look, it's been great catching up with you, uh, lads. Um, it's good to get you all in the same place. Dan Barrett, Andrew Mercado, 
David Knox. Um, David's website, of course, TV Tonight. We all go there every day. Andrew Mercado writes weekly in uh, Fridays for Media Week. We see him on A Current Affair. We see him popping up everywhere here and there. And Dan Barrett, of course, he's got a daily newsletter. I don't know if I should be promoting this. <laughs> he's, and he's got some other podcasts too, but just Google Dan Barrett and you'll, awesome. you'll find out lots about it. Or check out alwaysbewatching.com. Okay, beautiful. All right, great to get you all here. Thanks, chaps. Thank you.